From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, it is Teeing It Up and Danny Fleck on this Friday, September 8th, uh, the year 2023. My bar mitzvah was 22 years ago today. Yeah, we're getting old. We are. So there's a random fact for you on a, on a uh, Friday. Anyway, week two for college football, week one for the National Football League. Let's, let's go backwards and work chronologically forward. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Colorado, led by his kids. Oh, my God, it takes over the college world. The reality of week one of Colorado is... They're going to be an explosive team on offense with some great, you know, playmakers that they have on their roster, uh, but their defense is going to create some issues for them. Um, you know, they had some unique individual performances on Saturday. Uh, Travis Hunter played, what, 115 snaps. He had... Yeah, going both ways. 12 catches, 100-plus yards, an interception in the end zone, and there was another interception that was thrown in the end zone uh, by TCU. I, I thought that they had some very special, unique performances by some individuals on Saturday. Um, TCU was not up for it. I think they got smacked in the mouth very early. Uh, as soon as they went down 7 nothing, I had a feeling they were losing that game. It just seemed like Colorado... Had more intent in that game um, going into it, and you know they were able to hold on. You know they they fought back, had some big plays. On um, you know that one big play that stands out to me is a third down and long. They threw it up to Travis Hunter. He goes up and he gets it and comes down with it, uh, and they score on that drive. So you know they had some very you know great performances. You know their schedule. Just taking a look at it, you know right now. Gives them the opportunity to potentially go, you know, 2-0 to start off the year. And then, you know, once they get to conference play, I, I think it's going to get a little bit more dicey for them, especially given that their defense, I, I don't think, can stop some of these other potent offenses that they're going to face. But, you know, they got Nebraska this week, Colorado State next week, and then you have to win a couple of games in conference to get to, you know, uh, a bowl game. And, you know, Arizona State, Stanford, Arizona are on their schedule. Um, you know, those are potential wins for them, just given, you know, what it is that they're putting out there right now. So, you know, getting to a bowl for Colorado would just be absolutely enormous. Uh, anything above that would be, you know, cherry on top. But this went a long way for them being able to do that. In, in your mind, um, with... Dion's arrival, all the hoopla, everything that's that's happening around this team. Long term, is this a play now? Now, and this also combines the playoffs expanding to to twelve next year. Long term, is this a team that can get into the college football playoff? I don't think so. Um, just because of the consolidation, you know, the Big Ten is going to have USC and UCLA, and it, you know. The Big Ten itself will be having four or five teams each year vying for the playoff. You know, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, USC, Michigan, throwing Oregon there, Washington as well. You know, that's going to be hard for, you know, it's hard for me envisioning a 12-team college football playoff that does not have at least four Big Ten teams, four four SEC teams, 
Uh, Notre Dame, that's nine. The ACC champion, that's ten. And then the Big 12 champions, that's 11. Unless they're able to win the Big 12 consistently, I, I don't think it's going to be that easy for them to get into the playoffs. But, you know, if they can maintain their recruitment, build some more depth, the Big 12 is one of those leagues that's not going to be absolutely, you know, top-heavy. It's going to be more balanced, so they could have a potential opportunity that way. But it, it's just really hard for me to see how this expanded playoffs doesn't include a little bit of the um, layout that I just mentioned. Daniel Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. Who else stood out in week one college football-wise for you? Oh, man, let me go take a look at the schedule from last week and see what, what happened. Um, there were not a lot of great matchups. <laughs> no, I, I thought Utah had a very impressive performance, even though Florida's down this year, you know, with their backup quarterback going in, go, you know, playing against them. Really strangling the life out of Florida was really impressive to see. Um Nebraska is still the same. Nebraska blowing a, a touchdown lead and losing on a last-second field goal. It just seems to be what they like to do. Uh, Ohio State's offense uh, was very, very um, disappointing, to say the least. So how will they bounce back and get ready for Big Ten play? Is going to be interesting. I thought Tennessee looked good. I watched the majority of that game. Yeah, it was against Virginia, but you, know, you need these types of games when you are breaking in a new quarterback, right? You got to just kind of get things going, get into a rhythm. So, you know, they looked really impressive there as well. And, you know, we saw a lot of upsets. I think, you know, Baylor losing very bad to the Big 12. The SEC struggled mightily against the ACC this week. Uh, This past week, LSU down to Florida State. Another really impressive performance by Florida State. North Carolina really just taking the game to South Carolina. So a lot of, you know, I, I think what we what I took out of week one was these, these conferences that we have written off for dead. And one of them is dead. The Pac-12 and the ACC really flexed the muscle in the primetime matchups that they had. You know, Utah over Florida being one of them. Uh, Washington beat the brains out of Boise State. The conference as a whole went 13-0. and And then, you know, you had some big ACC, uh, you know, wins. I, uh, against non-conference opponents uh, last week as well. Uh, unfortunately for the ACC, you know, your top one of your top teams went down to Duke. Can't have that for Clemson. But uh, you know, I think some of these programs and conferences we think are are just not at the same level of the SEC and Big Ten really came up with some big performances, and I think it just goes to show you that not all the time. Do we have to worry about what the brand is that's on the field? Sometimes the players do matter, and recruiting does matter. Um, and obviously the Big Ten and SEC have a huge advantage, but there are still some really good players and some really good teams and conferences that we don't talk about all the time. There's going to be a weird thing next year, year after, when all these when all this realignment gets, gets happened, where I think we're going to have a lot of good performances that are going to become abundantly tougher. Um, you try to you 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 try to play week to week in the SEC and it's very hard. This consolidation individually, do you think it'll have a hard time um, helping us identify who's great and who's not great, or or will the best truly you know uh, step up? Well, I think you know 
So I don't think it will because these conferences will be so diluted and they're not going to play each other. It's not like in college basketball, right, where you play at least a team one time and then you have a conference tournament. It's not going to be like that. So the Big Ten, I, I think we're still going to see the same teams go through. We're still going to have you know the middle of the pack and the lower pack of, of the teams that are in those conferences. Now, you're telling me a Northwestern is going to have any better of a shot in a new Big Ten than they do right now? Absolutely no way. Same thing with Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska. Like They have really you know high hills to climb. Same thing in the SEC. You know, you add these teams like Oklahoma and Texas, teams like Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, um, Kentucky, you know, they they get pegged, you know, they move maybe from being sixth or seventh best in that conference out of being eighth or ninth. And if they weren't able to do it in the old SEC, how are they going to do it in the new mm-hmm. SEC? I, I think it's going to be the same thing. The only thing it, it does, I think, is consolidate the good teams into the conferences and provide them with more opportunity to get into what will be a 12-team playoff, which will probably just be, again, like I mentioned, four teams from each con- of the big conferences, conference champion from Big 12 and Big uh, ACC, Notre Dame, and then, you know, whoever's left over from there. Well, that was last week. This week, Texas and Alabama is the star of the show. A, your thoughts on the game. B, we're still in this 14 playoff. How 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 far will this go to to helping us decide who's one of the four at the end? Yeah, I think this game needs more to Bama than it does Texas long term. Um, you know, Bama, I think has more landmines on their schedule. Uh, just given that, you know, let me just pull up their schedule here. You know, they they still have to play. You know, I think they could beat these teams, but they still have to play Ole Miss. They have to go to Texas A&M, get to play Tennessee, have to play LSU, and have to play Auburn. And are they better than all those teams? Absolutely. But is there an opportunity for them to slip up, perhaps? Yes. Whereas if you're Texas, I think the Big 12 presents a little bit better of a path for you. Um, you know, you, you can lose this game if you're Texas and, and win the Big 12 and still have a chance to make the playoff. I think if you're Bama, you have one loss in your schedule. You cannot trip up at all the rest of the year, and then you potentially play Georgia in the, in the SEC championship game that you cannot lose. So I think their room for error is going to be much smaller if they lose this game. So I think Bama obviously will gain more from a win uh, long-term uh, than Texas will. And if Texas wins this game, I think that obviously they have some more leeway. But I do anticipate that Texas will be one of the top teams in the Big 12 come the end of the year and be able to move forward, you know, to potentially get into the playoff. But Bama needs this game more. In terms of the uh, guys playing on the field, uh, who do you think wins this game? And, and it's why? Tough. It's tough. I mean, Texas didn't look great last week, but I think a lot of that had to do with them not really preparing for last week. I think they've been preparing for Bama. Bama, you know, had an absolute stud athlete at quarterback in Milrow, but can he throw the ball? I don't know. Texas has the advantage to me at quarterback, at skill, at skill player positions, uh, potentially even at play caller, but you're in Tuscaloosa. Uh, it's going to be a tough environment. And Texas still needs to show that, you know, that knack to win these types of games. They weren't able to do it last year at home. 
it's tough. I, I, I am taking Texas with the point, uh, you know, as a, a bet, but I am not confident that they will be able to pull this off. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be physical. Uh, I think Alabama has one of the better defenses in the country, so I think they'll get a stop when they need it. And I do think that eventually Alabama will just wear out Texas and win a you know close game, you know three to four point range is what I'm anticipating on Saturday. Seven p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Um, Chris Fowler, who's currently calling tennis right now on ESPN, will be in Tuscaloosa by tomorrow to call this game as his uh, whirlwind of two weeks continue. Danny Flecker with us here on Teeing It Up. Your beloved Notre Dame Fighting Irish uh, kick off the day at noon against NC State. We haven't talked much about the Fighting Irish. Where do you think they are this year? Is this a team that can go places, or is this a transitional year? I think they have a shot. Uh, they do, you know, their schedule seemed to be difficult when it came out. And now, kind of looking after the first week, you know, maybe they have some breaks in their schedule. This week's a tough game. It's a tricky game at NC State. I'm not looking past them. They're going to be a tough opponent for them. You know, Ohio State looks to be maybe a little more manageable. They don't fix their offense, but still, tough game. Duke just got a lot more intriguing. USC at home, tough game. And Clemson, at, you know, on the road at Clemson just, you know, also kind of flipped for me a little bit. They needed a 10-2 and two season, I think, to even be considered for a playoff spot. 11-1, to me, definitely gets, it might get them in if they're able to beat, you know, NC State, Ohio State, Duke, now USC, Clemson, if they're able to, you know, take, you know, four or five of those games, they have the opportunity, I think, uh, you know, to potentially be in that playoff discussion. Definitely a New Year's Six Bowl, but I think the top half of the, you know, of the college football landscape right now between Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Alabama, Florida State's a newcomer this year. It's going to be really hard to jump, you know, leapfrog those teams without a conference championship and, you know, a one or two loss record if some of those teams go undefeated. So I think their main opponent for them right now is their schedule and obviously hoping that some of the teams that are ranked ahead of them right now stumble because they're still, they're still on the outside looking in uh, as I see it. Anything else college-wise stick out? I mean, I watched a lot of these games last week and – I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I think the coaching in college last week was absolutely horrendous. Um, you know, some of these these coaches and offensive coordinators just get away from what it is they do well. Um, I'd like to see more of these teams be on top. You know, do what they do and stick with it. You know, don't change just because you're inside the five yard line. Don't change just because you're up by 15 points or 14 points, whatever it is. Stay true to who you are. Um, I think that the coaching I saw last week in a lot of these games was just very tight, very conservative, and I think a lot of games were lost based off of some of the decisions that were made on the coaching side. So it'd be interesting to see you know, how these coaches adjust moving forward, but a lot of what I saw last week was just very, very bad. It is week one for them as well, but no excuses. Uh, it is your time to shine, and you got to step it up uh, when it is your time. Um, 
we're going to take a break from football and talk football. Um, you have said to me over and over and over again, yes, this stuff from Messi is awesome, but it's, it's MLS. It's not the same as, as overseas. So I'm going to give you the platform to tell the world what you think and, and uh, kind of go into this. Um, because what he has done for Inter Miami has been ridiculous, but you're telling me not so fast. So take I'll it from yeah, I'll be honest with you. I haven't really been paying attention to what's been going on with, with him and with soccer, with football being back. Obviously, you know, what he did over the summer was really right. incredible. And that's the um, stuff I am. I, I, I am. I'm uh, sorry. That's the, that's the stuff I am talking about. Not anything super, super recent. But just in general, how to view Messi uh, vis-a-vis where Messi was. Yeah, I, I watched what he did and was like, why is he not still playing in Europe? Um, nothing that he was doing was surprising to me. He's doing it, I think, a lot because the competition he's playing is not very good. Uh, let's just be honest about that. But also, when you watch him do that stuff and perform some of the stuff that he's doing, you're like, what weren't other teams seeing? Why was he not able to stay in Europe and play in the Premier League for another year or two or even go to, you know, like Germany or Italy and do something, it just boggles my mind that people thought he did not have something to give them. Um, And obviously he still has something left in the tank. And he would have been a welcome addition to, I think, a lot of teams that are playing right now, uh, whether it was, you know, the contract or the money, whatever it was. But he still has it. So it's just surprising to me watching him do that, that he's not still over there. What is amazing to me uh, is just seeing it uh, game after game in these performances that he has elevated everyone around him more, which you would expect, right? You would expect somebody with, with pure greatness to elevate them around. So then, to your point, why don't the European club pay up if they know that it will make their entire team better instantly? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, you watch these transfers happen in Europe, and the amount of money that's spent on these quanti- on these individuals, not knowing necessarily what you're going to be getting from them, and you know they're happy to spend that kind of money when you could possibly get one of the best players that's ever played. Uh, yes, he's older. Yes, he's got some wear and tear on him, but he looks to be still one of the top 10, 15 players in the world when he's out there on the field. And again, I look at a team like a Manchester United that could be using somebody like him, but instead they go in a different direction. I, I, I wish I knew. Um, I, I know I would have kicked the tires on him to see if he wanted to stay over there. Maybe he wanted to go to you know Miami. Um, that's another thing too. He, he's earned that right to you know choose where he wants to go, but it's just very surprising to me that he's still not over there. Danny Fleckle with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. All right, Danny, I'm going to give you the floor. False starts in the National Football League. Go ahead. I'm sorry, say that again? False starts. Oh, false start? in, yeah, false starts. I mean, I thought I was going crazy yesterday. <laughs> uh, I was like, am I the only one that's seen this? And as the game progressed, it became very clear to me that I was not. Um, and also, you could tell because... On run plays, he was closer to the line of scrimmage, and on pass plays, he was further away. i, I got to be honest with you. I wish the broadcast was more emphatic about what it was that was going on. 
you know, rather than, like, skirting the line and saying this and saying that, like, it would have been nice if Tarico or Collinsworth would have been like, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, um, and they didn't. And that was really disappointing because my, I, I understand this is not the view of the NFL, but as an individual who gambles, and you are now partnering with gambling sites to promote gambling on your sport. Yeah. You have to call the game as it's happening. You cannot just say, oh, well, it's, it's, I'm going to give them leeway here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Unacceptable. People are betting on these games expecting that the letter of the law is going to be called. And I get it. There are objective calls that are going to occur throughout the game holding calls, pass interferences, etc. right? Those are all objective calls that are going to occur throughout the course of a game that you're going to sit back on Monday and be like, how did they call that? Call that? To me, false starts, offsides, illegal motions, illegal formations, face masks, all those calls are pretty, not, are pretty blatant, right? There's no objectivity in there. If you move before a snap, it's a penalty. If you grab a face mask, it's a penalty. He did it at least 10 times. And each time should have been a flag. And I did not see one that was even close to not being a flag. And I saw a tweet that went out there that said this crew that was on the call yesterday caused the least amount of these types of penalties. And that's even more frustrating if you're a fan of the Lions or any team that's played the Chiefs or any team that's going with this ref that has a game knowing that those calls are less than 10 to 15% of the time going to be called and they affect the game you know, tremendously. So, I mean, I saw it. I had to call it out because it was just absurd. And I hope moving forward that a crew that's calling those games can kind of put that bug in the NFL's ear, or if the NFL reprimands this crew, whatever they do, but you cannot let that keep happening, especially in games that are standalone games on primetime television, and the whole world is watching. So that's, that's my spiel, and I could definitely rant more about it, but I, I just was very, I was like, I can see, right? Like, I'm seeing what, what's happening, and it looked like I wasn't the only one. Daniel Fleckler with us here on Teeing It Up. Yeah, you were, you were not the only one, and you were texting me over and over. There it is again, there it is again, there it is again. I mean, that's... Um, it's, it is absurd. Um, that game last night, Mike Tirico said that the win for the Lions came... With an asterisk because it had no Chris Jones and and, and, and no Travis Kelsey, um, you can either take the bait that is that or just say what does this do for the Lions and the Chiefs going forward um, as the season progresses. Yeah, poor choice of words by Tariqo. I one hundred percent. It's the NFL. Yep. Injuries happen. Period. Um, so Kelsey not being out there. It is what it is, right? Jones not being out there, it is what it is. Uh, the Chiefs had plenty of opportunity in that game to win that game. Uh, multiple drop balls, pick six. Um, you know, Mahomes kind of forcing some balls down the field. 
I didn't really love the play calling in certain situations. Uh, you know, a jet sweep on a third and short, not great. Um, Nagy, I think, is going to do more harm than good for this team. But at the end of the day, the Kansas City Chiefs had multiple opportunities to win that game, right? Up 14-7, up 17-14, up 20-14, and they had the ball with two-plus minutes left in the game and all their timeouts. So, you know, they had every chance to win that game, and they didn't. The Lions, you got to give them credit. They defensively, I thought, you know, had some gaps, uh, gave up some plays, but if anything, I put an asterisk on their performance because the referees sucked. And they didn't call false starts. They allowed the depth of the offensive line to be a lot further back than it should have been. Um, Hutchinson, you know, like they, they called it out on the broadcast, he was falling his butt off and he was playing a bad spot a lot of times by the refs. But I got to give credit to the Detroit defense. I thought that they made big stops when they had to. They played tough. They tackled well. Uh, big interception return for a touchdown. Their special teams was great on punt coverage. Um, their offense, they could, you know, they need to fix some things. They definitely need to find out who can be a second wide receiving threat for them. I did not like what I saw from Reynolds or, or Jones. Um, Laporta, I thought, made some big plays for them. The rookie tight end they got. Uh, Gibbs also made some plays for them. So they got to just figure out, you know, what the right combination is, uh, of what it is they have from a skill, pers- you know, skill perspective. But overall, I thought that they played their butts off. Um, at the end, they made the plays when they had to make them, and they won the game. So asterisks or no asterisk, they deserved it. Um, and, you know, who knows what that game would have looked like if it was properly officiated, to be honest with you. But uh, I think at the end of the day, Detroit came out there. They, they punched, a, you know, that win for themselves in that column and just made themselves more of a threat this year than I think people realize them being. I know they're the sexy darling pick of this year, but uh, this, was a, it, this was a big game for them to get. You know, with 17 left, you know, now you know that you can go into a hostile environment and win a big game and play tough, and that's really a good thing to know the first week of the season. Absolutely. And the fact that this young core um, can, you know, because that's the thing. This is a bunch of young guys. It's not like this is some veteran group brought together. It's a bunch of young, young guys um, and, and that they can do it. Um, all right. Let's have the chat. Buffalo Jets week one. Is this season going to end happily for me? Because I just, I keep thinking about this team. You know, the over-under is nine and a half. And it just feels like we have all the pieces to be a Super Bowl winning team. And yet every Jet season ends in horrible, just sadness somehow. Where do you see us, Danny? I don't like them on Monday night. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) No, I don't like that start, no. I look at this Jets team, and I see, like you mentioned, great a better an upgrade at quarterback for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to have a good year. Break out. I like their de- I like their defensive line. I like their corner. You know, Gardner. Sauce. I think that they're a fast defense. I hate their schedule. I hate the bravado so they're walking around with. And I hate their coach. <laughs> and that's just me. All right? I just don't trust Salah in big games. 
He might prove me wrong. I hope, you know, for your sake, I hope he does. I just don't trust him. And when I look at this schedule... It's so brutal. Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, at Denver, Philly, stop. Lions, Chargers. Stop, stop, stop. The, the, that that uh, point, folks, before uh, in, including Philly, is before the bye. So then they get the bye to regroup and, and, and now continue on. Yeah, so then they got the Giants after the bye. Giants, Chargers, Raiders, you know, that's a little bit easier of a, of a slate there. You know, I think the Giants game will be tough, but, you know, you're at home technically, so, you know, you don't have to travel after the bye. So you go into the bye with a home game against the Eagles on 10-15, and you don't have to leave New Jersey again until 11-12. That's, that's really beneficial for them. Yes. Vegas, not tough. Then you close out with Buffalo, Miami, Falcons, Texans, blah, and then you close out with the Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, and Pats. It's such an easier you second some, half. Yeah, you, they've got some reprieve in there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, this is today, right? This schedule can be different tomorrow, next week, the fall, whatever it is. But that start is tough. And I don't care how you slice it. I don't care who your quarterback is. You're going against the Bills team that's won the division the last three years and has been to the conference championship game and, you know, perennial playoff contender the last couple of years. Dallas at Dallas, I think they can win that game. I mean, it's still just a tough game. Dallas is not a slash. They have a good defense. New England always gives you guys problems, but I think you are the better team this year, but we'll see, right? They, had, they were the better team twice last year and they lost both games. Um, Kansas City, tough game, but that's at home. But still, you're playing Mahomes on a Sunday night. At Denver, who knows what Denver is, but still, at Denver's not an easy road trip. And then Philly. That's, that's a gauntlet to start off. If that's one, two, three, four, five, six games. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what would make you happy after those six games? Uh, that's what I was just thinking. Three and three? I think you got to be four and two, and I think if you, I think it's okay if you lose like to the Chiefs and to the Eagles. They're not totally. divisional games, right? You want to win the divisional games, um, but I, I think you got to be four and two. It is so, and part of this is we have to see how everybody else you know shakes out uh, uh, divisionally, conference-wise, you know, so on and so forth, but. Man, it's just such a it, and, and if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or has to leave for whatever reason, uh, Zach Wilson is not the quarterback that can get you. He can get you through a game. The running game can get you through a game. I don't think he can, he can get you through two, three games. Uh, he certainly can't get you through four, five, six games. So for me, with this Jets team, I'm talking about intermediate passing, great lockdown defense. Stopping the run, using these running backs correctly, but we can say all that, and it's schedule, 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 and that's my biggest fear. And I think when I look at it, the reason why I think it's tough for the Jets is, you know, in most in most games, I think they're going to go in with a comparable, if not better, roster, and also a better quarterback than most of the teams that they're playing. Yep. The offensive line scares me, and you're talking about a Bills, Cowboys. Pat, Chiefs, 
Eagles team, they all have top 10 defensive lines. I don't care how good your quarterback is, if you're running around for your life, you're not going to get what you want to get. Nope. So that's what scares me about the Jets, is if their offensive line it was a little bit more stable and a little bit more productive, I could say, you know, 4-2 is worst-case scenario, 5-1 is best-case scenario. But, you know, you look at the Cowboys, you're dealing with Micah Parsons, you know, the Chiefs, maybe, you know, Jones is back by that point. You're dealing with him. The Eagles have a, a really tough defensive line as well. Um, so, you know, it's that's what scares me about the opening is that you are being thrown out there immediately against top-tier defensive lines, and you really don't have the opportunity here to really do much uh, to adjust. And even when Rodgers played against the Giants, yeah, he, he had that touchdown drive, whatever. I didn't think the offensive line looked good. No, I don't that's really not the one he they looked want. that great. Yeah. And the Giants weren't playing their, their starters. And ultimately, uh, Dwayne Brown, I think he'll be back for week one. So that just shows that, that in terms of the Jets, that wasn't even the best offensive line combination they had out there. So it's just still not the right. It, it's still. It, 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 I think if the Jets can be a mid-tier offensive line and get back Brees Hall to where he needs to be to be productive, I don't think they're going for, far with Dalvin Cook as the horse. Yes, that's just me. They yes. need Brees Hall to be that guy, and if Brees Hall can get to that spot where he's comfortable, I think that also shifts the dynamic of the offensive line. Right? You're going to have a more dynamic guy out of the backfield to catch passes and checkdowns. You're going to have a better runner between the tackles and Dalvin Cook. Um, it's all about how he comes back and how he feels. If he's up and running by you know, week three or four, then things change a little bit, right? But if they're going to Wean, if they're going to wean him and be careful, you know, you might not see the fruits of his labor until after the bye week. And at that point, you got to be flawless. Yep, you've got to be perfect. And, that, and that's why everybody keeps talking schedule, 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 schedule. And Danny just broke it down right there why it's so vital for the Jets to get off to that good start. He is with us here on Teeing It Up. Um, let's do this. Uh, what we'll, we'll do thoughts on your Giants and then we'll do week one bet stuff. So, Giants, where are you with your team this year as we sit on uh, on the two-day eve of week one? Yeah, I mean, much like the Jets, their schedule isn't, isn't any better, right? Cowboys, Cardinals, Niners, Seahawks, Dolphins, Bills, Commanders, Jets, Raiders, Cowboys, Commanders pass before a bye. Yikes. It's a long stretch. Yeah, and just like the Jets, you know, they're playing the Cowboys, good defensive line. Niners, good defensive line. Seattle, sneaky good. Dolphins have a sneaky good defensive line, too. Uh, Buffalo, Commanders, Jets. The Giants need to tread water the first half of the season. And I think they can. I think if they can get off, if they can win week one, Take down the Cowboys, go to Arizona, take care of business out there, and then lick your wounds for probably being beat by the 49ers. Let's be honest. I'm not going to be an idiot there. Two and one, coming back home, I'll take that. Because I think they can beat the Seahawks. I think they can give the Dolphins a game. The, the NFL, I, I, 
unlike your Jets, I'm confident in the coaching staff that the Giants have assembled. I, I think I'm higher on them defensively than most people are. Um, I think their defensive line is very underrated and, and it's going to be good. I think their pressures are going to be better this year than they were last year getting after the quarterback. Their secondary is going to need to hold up, but I think that they're much better off than they were last year. Uh, offensively, their offensive line needs to step up, and I think you need to see Daniel Jones really progress to that point where he can take over a game with his arm. Um, you know What he did against Minnesota in the playoffs is what he needs to start doing week in and week out. And yes, they're going to sprinkle him, sprinkle him in there running the ball, but he needs to be averaging 250 to 275 in the air a game. He needs to open up that field because I do think at the end of the day, you know, what they're looking to do is spread the ball around and get more people involved. But really, when it comes down to it, get Saquon the ball and close out games. So they just need to be good up front on both sides, and I don't see why they can't contend for something, you know, a playoff berth, wild card, whatever it is. Um, Again, the schedule's a schedule. You never know what it's going to look like in a couple of weeks, but I think they're a much better team than they were last year, Uh, and I do think that they have improved in a lot of areas that they were really bad in last year. We just got to see if it translates, you know, on the field. You obviously know this team way better than I do. For me, this comes down to Daniel Jones' efficiency. If, if, if he's efficient with the ball and doesn't turn it over, they will uh, play well and be in every game till the end. Cause that's and he was efficient. He was efficient last year. Um, but it was death by a thousand paper cuts. They need to be more explosive in the passing game this year. That's what will get them to that next level. Um, they need to take more shots downfield. They need to not rely on Saquon touching the ball 25 times a game. Uh, they need to keep him fresh and get him out into space and keep him, you know, engaged in the game. But you can't just lean on him every single game. So they need to be more explosive. I think that's what they need to focus on this year. And obviously with Waller and then some of the people that they brought in, Hyatt, Campbell, they definitely have way more speed than they did last year. It's now that you trust Jones to make those throws, take those chances, to open up the field a little bit more so that the underneath stuff will be there when you need it. Danny Flecker with us here on uh, Teeing It Up. Um, so, big picture, uh, well, well, actually, little picture first. Uh, week one bets that you like. Yeah, so this week, I had the Lions last night, was able to get that win. Um, I like, you know, what I have in my card this week. I have Chicago, Green Bay, over 43. I think that game is going to be a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. Uh, we all know that Green Bay is ushering in a new era here. Uh, Chicago's defense isn't that great. Green Bay, I think, is, is being slept on a little bit. I, I do like what they have from a skill position standpoint, and I think Justin Fields is one of those explosive players that will make plays for them. So I think that that game gets over 43. Um, I also like, I have the Giants on my card, three and a half. That's more of a fanboy bet. To me, it's if they don't do it now, when will they? You know, when will they be able to beat Dallas? I don't think there's any other opportunity. 
better than now for them. Opening night, a ton of excitement and home. I, I can't see why they can't keep this game close. They played Dallas pretty close last year with you know a way worse roster um, than they had than they have this year. So I, I expect them to play that game tough, and I expect them to come out with a ton of juice in that game. And Dallas, I think this is the year that Dallas falls off the rails a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just get these vibes from them. I don't trust Dak. Um, I don't really love McCarthy as a play caller. We'll see, though, right? But week one's the week to get them. Um, and then I, I like Tennessee. <coughs> excuse me. I like Tennessee plus three down in New Orleans. I just think people are underestimating what Tennessee is. Uh, every year, they usually are a tough team to beat. Uh, they don't really lose a lot of games on their own volition. I know last year was a bit difficult year for a bit of a difficult year for them, but I do like them. Um, you know, going down to New Orleans and, and really being physical with them and getting after Carr and, and really running the ball and, and you know testing out their new weapons they have with Hopkins and Burks coming back. I, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. And I like Miami plus three in LA. Uh, I I just can't back LA. The Chargers. They that coach. I don't trust them. Miami's explosive. I think that's going to be a back-and-forth game, but I really like what Miami has, and I think they're going to be a, a really tough team this year. And yes. L.A., yeah. I still have that taste in my mouth from uh, Jacksonville, the Jacksonville playoff game. So, If Tua can stay healthy, that, that Dolphin team, there are many places they can go, and it's very high, and it's well into the playoffs. They are that talented, especially offensively. Yeah, they're good, um, and I just th- this is more of a bet against the Chargers, right? <laughs> I, prove me wrong. Until you do, I'm gonna keep keep going against you. If you prove me wrong in week one, I'll take you a little more seriously. But um, I, I they're getting home field. That's all they're getting. And is it really even a home field? Not really. This game was in Miami. We probably see Miami plus three and a half plus. I mean, minus four, minus three, something around there. So, I'll take Miami um, against the Chargers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, that's and, it. And then finally, I settled on Chiefs Cowboys the other day for a Super Bowl picks with the Chiefs winning out of lack of other options. I was secure with. Your Super Bowl matchup and winner. Oh, man. Um, You know, I think this is the year that, you know, Cincinnati or Buffalo should be able to get through and and get past Kansas City. I'm not overreacting to what we saw yesterday, but, (coughs) excuse me, there comes a point in time where, when you just need to maybe refresh a little bit, and Kansas City might need to do that. Um, you know, they need a wide receiver. They need a more dynamic running back. The Holmes will give them 10 to 11 wins easy, but if they don't get the home field, then what, right? Yeah. Um, and the AFC might be one of those might be one of those years where the top team in the AFC only has 11 or 12 wins. So it's going to be a dogfight to get that home field advantage. But I do think that Buffalo and Cincinnati are hungry. They're the last two teams to lose to um, 
Kansas City in the playoffs in the AFC. They're going to want to get after them. Uh, I think that Buffalo, This is their, I think with this iteration of their team, this might be their last window. Um, with Diggs and, and Allen, their defense with Von Miller, hopefully coming back middle of the year. I think Buffalo does it this year on the AFC side. On the NFC side, I'd like to see San Francisco and, and Philadelphia go at it again, at this time with San Francisco having an actual quarterback. <laughs> Um, and with that, I think San Francisco is the better team this year. So I think Buffalo, San Francisco, to play in Vegas in uh, February. And and the winner of that game is. I'm gonna go with Buffalo. There we go. You heard it here first. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on teeing it up. Uh, these were in-depth breakdowns for college and NFL, and that's why we love it. Thank you as always for coming on teeing it up. Thanks, my man. And thank you, for, um, everyone, for listening to this edition of Teeing Up with Jeremy Schilling.